Are you a business owner looking to grow and scale your company? Do you want to prepare your company to successfully take on investment? Start by taking the Become Investable Digital Scorecard Assessment. In less than six minutes, you will have information identifying weaknesses in your business model and receive advice on how to address them. Developed using the signature BI methodology, the scorecard assesses your business based on six key investability metrics and provides a comprehensive report to show you how to build a more investable business. Go to becomeinvestable.com scorecard today to start your journey to investability. At one point or another, we have all experienced the not-so-great inconvenience of car troubles. From car accidents, blown tire, stalled battery, each of these scenarios can seriously change the course of your day, right? So how do you turn this everyday occurrence into a multi-million dollar business? Hi, I'm Kevin Valley, and in this special Become Investable feature, we're going to take a closer look at how Total Convenience Management Limited went from a startup leasing and rental company to becoming the group of companies it manages to date. This is TCM's story. Total Convenience Management Limited, or TCM, serves the Caribbean as one of the largest providers in roadside assistance, leasing and rentals, GPS, executive transport, and vehicle concierge services. As the slogan boasts, it's your plan A every day. Now, to say this group of companies started from humble beginnings is by no measure a false account. TCM began its journey with three employees and has grown from strength to strength, bolstering a new industry based on the demands of a growing nation. Its home base, Trinidad and Tobago, is the largest importer of motor vehicles in the Caribbean. Now, this presented the perfect platform for founder Kirk Waith and his partner Robert Visser to groom their startup vehicle concierge and leasing service. The journey began with a chance encounter between Kirk and Robert, where the two, with a like-minded approach to customer service, decided to join forces on the company's biggest project to date, BPTT. Now, at the time, BPTT required services for both his internal and external fleet, a project Waith knew he could not handle on his own. And so he put Robert Visser to the test. And this project formed a partnership behind TCM's success. Joining me today, we have the Managing Director of Total Convenience Management, Mr. Robert Visser. Robert, how are you doing, sir? Kevin, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. You know well. Good. Uh, so, you're f- originally from North America. I grew up in Vancouver, uh, in Canada, mm-hmm. and I've lived in Trinidad since 1997. I immigrated here just over 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Yes. And I understand that you, your first time in Trinidad was actually an accident. You accidentally ended up here. It was. My, my, my mom grew up here until she was 14 that emigrated to Great Britain. My grandfather uh, won the Silver Chaconia Medal in, in education. He okay. was a, a QRC housemaster. But then when he relocated to Cambridge, he was one of the architects in the late 50s, early 60s and opening some educational channels to Europe and Britain and you know, all through the Caribbean. Uh, he was, he was well-respected in that regard. So my brother and I came down for a visit, um, had never been here before in, in 97. We came down for carnival, of course, 
Oh, for Carnival. Not, not, not to see, hey, where Grandad grew up or for Carnival. Nothing so simple, yeah. We we just wanted to come and see where yeah, where mum was, but uh really for Carnival. We met two cousins of ours from Britain, stayed with a cousin who was a second cousin in Trinidad. Right. Um, you know, four young men enjoying Carnival, obviously in Trinidad. <laughs> He at the time his house was under renovations. Mm-hmm. His fiance was 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 pregnant with their first child. Um, so the four of us made a pact that we would come back for his wedding the following year. And when we came back, I was the only one that kept the pact. I was the only one that came. Okay. And I met my wife. And I was struck by the the Trini Thunderbolt. And that was it. Uh, my wife has 10 brothers and sisters. She was not leaving Trinidad. Wow. So I had to make the decision to move here. Okay, so you came for Carnival. Yeah. And you end up getting a wife. Eventually, yeah. Yeah. And it's been well worth it. I have two boys, 15 and 11 now. Um, but I also have uh, 15 nephews. 15 nephews? 15 nephews. All well, you have 10. Your wife has 16 10 and siblings, under. Yeah. And only one niece. Mm-hmm. And my niece, who's 23, when I first got here 20 years ago, she was three, she told her grandfather, um, Grandpa, I want to be the only princess in the family. <laughs> and so said, so done. Like she cast a spell on the entire family. And it's been what, 17, 18 boys in a row since. Okay. Yeah. So what did you do for work back in Canada? I, uh, I was with Enterprise Rent-A-Car, actually. So um, like, like all things in business, it's very good to stick with what you know. Okay. You know, I came up through a system there because Enterprise was very big in North America uh, throughout the, the 80s into the 90s. Um, I think some point in the mid-90s, they became larger than Hertz globally uh, okay. as a rental company. So it's one of those, another one of those airport rental companies? or they're... No, they're very much local market. Uh, they like to be in neighborhoods. They like to do um, what's called like loss of use business. Right. You know, you had an accident or your vehicles, you know, need to be repaired at the dealership. We'll pick you up. That was uh, Enterprise. So you guys provided we'll comfort you. to people at some of the most uncomfortable times. That's right. That's okay. right. And, and when I joined in, in Vancouver, in Western Canada, Enterprise just had gone in there. And I think within a year, they went from zero to 1,800 vehicles, for example, in 12 months. Okay. Um, so it was uh, obviously a successful model. Okay. Yeah. What, what, were you, what was your role there? Uh, Enterprise is one of those places where you come up through the system and, and try to become a, a branch manager and then an area manager. Um, okay. So by the time I actually left the organization, I'd probably run four of the largest branches within the greater Vancouver area, okay. including the airport operation, which All is right. out of a local hotel. Um, so a lot of experience. I was with them for three, four years. So it's funny, right? So you, you came to Trinidad and you were actually unemployed for eight months. That's right. I, um, it was very difficult. My wife actually had a very small rental business of her own. Oh, She had 10 foreign used vehicles, uh, B14s. You know, the, the classic B14, she brought 10 in, foreign used, sold five to pay for the 10. So she kept five and they were like monthly rentals she was doing for people. And every job interview I went to, they were like, well, do you have your own, your own uh, car? And I was like, well, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but the salary didn't earn as much as a vehicle could earn on rent okay. monthly. So okay. it was one of those scenarios where couldn't quite find a good fit. Uh, but ultimately I got a few job offers and it worked out. So how do we get to TCM now? I understand you had a chance encounter with the, with the founder of TCM. That's right. Kirk Waith, um, brilliant service concept. Roadside was, uh, I think, the reputational foundation for TCM that was genius because 
the way TCM does roadside to this day is that we actually get to the client, not just send out a tow truck, but have an advanced unit that goes out, assesses the issue, gets the individual to their next desired location. So, you know, we have that shuttle and basically that's the convenience part. Your car breaks down, but your day should go on unimpeded. Total convenience. And so Kirk had encountered me. Um, we had a mutual, mutual friends in, in the auto industry. Uh, Toyota actually uh, introduced us because BP was looking for a service offering um, that was going to be revolutionary, concierge-based, and Kirk had it from the roadside perspective. But BP also asked him to do some rentals for their expatriates and manage their wider fleet for their manager level, uh, you know, their finance fleet, their, their vehicles that they had on, on, on the compound. And he didn't know that side of the business. So he called up Toyota and said, hey, I got to put something together overnight here because BP's asking and I think we've got something. Literally overnight? Pretty much. So Kirk calls me. We get connected at the time. I wasn't actually working. I was doing an MBA. And of course, if you know Kirk at all, the first time we meet, he wanted the proposal the next day. I said, look, Kirk, give me, give me two to three days. We could work something out. And it came together beautifully. I mean, at the time, uh, the closer we got, the more we worked together, we recognized that there was a real synergy in terms of the service mentality. I realized what TCM had in terms of the, certainly the roadside and the foundation what that would mean to a leasing and rental concept, you know, from my prior experience. And that's what captured BP's imagination. And it was, at the time, TCM had maybe, I think, four or five, you know, people on staff, four, four or five team members. And BP's wider, what they call the MVP, the Motor Vehicle Program, had been held at that time, this is back in 2001, by Ansel McCall. And then the, the prior to that contract, which is normally a four-year term, the Massey Group. And so here comes little TCM <laughs> with, this, with this concept and this idea and, and, and you know, how we were able to translate it through a bid process. Now, of course, Toyota helped us because they did a joint venture with us to give the, the credence that was required. And, uh, and it worked wonderfully well. You know, BP was, was thrilled with what we were able to do for them. And by word of mouth referral in terms of the service that we provided, uh, you know, I think at the time we only started with 50 rental vehicles in BP. But our wider fleet uh, in TCM grew to over 500 vehicles in just two or three years because of the service recognition. And, and especially in the expatriate community in the energy sector, they were blown away. Okay. Are you a business owner looking to grow and scale your company? Do you want to prepare your company to successfully take on investment? Start by taking the Become Investable Digital Scorecard Assessment. In less than six minutes, you will have information identifying weaknesses in your business model and receive advice on how to address them. Developed using the signature BI methodology, the scorecard assesses your business based on six key investability metrics and provides a comprehensive report to show you how to build a more investable business. Go to becomeinvestable.com scorecard today to start your journey to investability. So what was, if you know, what, is, what was um, Kirk's, vision, what was his mission when he founded TCM in the first place? So what is the company set up to do? What is the overarching goal of the company? To be great. <laughs> no, I mean, it's genuine. We, we want to amaze clients uh, in every interaction that we conduct. And we've maintained that throughout 
all of the organic growth that we've had in the organization. Um, BHP Billiton, when they first entered the country back in, I think, 04, 05, uh, you know, it was a lot of expatriate Australians coming in. Um, they needed lease vehicles, but when their executive first landed, they wanted a car and driver service so they could acclimatize to the, the driving habits in Trinidad. They didn't right. want to just cut them loose on the other side of the road, so to speak, and see what happened. It was a safety consideration. And so TCM Transport was born because they wanted us to provide a car and driver service. And then we were doing shuttles and all day type, you know, hand in hand uh, concierge type work. And, and that's where transport developed. So you mentioned customer service, right? So yes. We're in Trinidad right now. <laughs> yes. What was the customer service environment like there at, at that time? Sorry. And how, how do you guys go about, how did you guys go about transforming that? I've always felt it's, it's a bit of a curse and a blessing here, you know, because we all encounter scenarios in our daily lives where the service is so poor that we're, we're almost immune to it at this point, sadly. I mean, we'll roll our eyes, we'll, we'll, we'll cuss it, you know, all the rest of it, but it, it's, um, it's unfortunate. But on the blessing side, when you do something right and stand out, I mean, it shines like a beacon on a hill. It really does. Yeah. And I think especially with you know, the energy sector and how much of our work we did with that, that community in, in the beginning, you would have expatriates coming in and they would be, how much more can I take? You know, the immigration processes, the different service failures that they would have experienced. And then they encounter TCM, you know, either in delivery of a vehicle, a shuttle or a roadside event. And they're like, wow, I would not have even experienced something like this back in Houston or London or New York or wherever. And that was the differentiator for us. And it's one of the reasons we've never really had to market. Um, I think that'll transition over time, but you know, our word of mouth referrals are so high uh, and people so love what we do that oftentimes they'll ask, well, what else do you do in vehicle services? You know, GPS was another uh, aspect of our business, again, that grew organically. Um, there were safety considerations for a lot of these companies coming into Trinidad. And so we used radio frequency and panic alerts in the rental vehicles to begin with. But again, BHP Billiton, one of the companies that we worked with early, a lot of their people were put up in the Hilton prior to finding their housing, their permanent housing. And there's that sink in, in the parking right, area yeah. behind Hilton. And so the radio frequency could not get through. They would be testing the panic alerts and nothing. And so they were, they were upset. They were like, hey, I thought you said this was part of your service. This is a security aspect to what you're offering. And so we were like, okay, well, we got to solve this. The only way to do that is to go to satellite, go GPS. Right. And so we started to develop that. Although you never want to be first to market in technology. Yes, yes. We want to get into that. So, <laughs> yeah. so you guys went about what, um, building your own GPS system? Like, what are your Yeah, we, we, we got into a couple contract relationships, you know, to... to bring in the expertise, mm -hmm. um, figure it out, the linkages. It was very difficult, especially back in 05, 06, because there were no proper maps, satellite images of the, of, of the country. Uh, WASA really was the only one that had even something partial or, or you know, half formed at that time. Wow. They wanted to hold on to it like gold, so that wasn't available. Uh, it, was, it was really interesting. It was, it was a real trial to get it running. And it sounds expensive too. It was. It was it was a, a few million dollars well to invest to bring it up to up to a mark. 
Okay, so and you were able to, but you were able to get that up to mark, and you were able to satisfy those. Um... Yeah, ultimately, we we you know developed the the, the right product, and again, um, I think a lot of people in in the country would have seen the proliferation of what GPS has come along in the last five six years, but prior to like twenty ten, it was still very embryonic, especially in this market, and so we were building that expertise as we went. Okay. So you talk a lot about expertise, you talk about customer service. So this relies a lot on the people you hire. Tell me about your hiring processes. We are adamant about pursuing exceptionalism, right? I think, and especially for entrepreneurs and for business people, you have to understand where the cardinal rules is. You don't want to bring mediocre people in just to try and get them to a place where they're good. You need to bring in good people and elevate them to exceptional. Um, because if, if you don't, you're spending way, way too much time just trying to get people to a certain performance level. Um, and with good people going to exceptional, your returns are tenfold. Uh, you know, how we, we go about it here, especially beginning of 2014, we only had 75 people uh, on our team and we've now crossed 225. Uh, you know, we have six team leads now and each of them will interview do a primary interview for their resource needs within their individual business units uh, but every single person that qualifies through that primary interview has to take a second interview with myself and it's one of the the cardinal rules that we will never let go of because i think it's imperative that we let people know about the philosophy of the organization um, we don't go contract to contract unlike many of the companies in the country, it feels like coming out of this recession. So full permanence. We go probation to permanency, but we let people know right up front that only 50% of people make it through probation par for the course. Oh, so you make it competitive. We do. We make it very competitive. Um, you know, if, if we have a logistical need or an operational need that requires, you know, two positions to be filled, oftentimes we'll hire three individuals so that we make it so that the supervisors and the team leaders will look at those individuals and say, okay, I want two and I do not have to worry about letting go of the third. Whereas if you only had the two, then you'd be like, well, they have this flaw and that flaw, but I need to fill those roles. I need to make sure that the work gets done. We do not want those hindrances to people making sure that only the best survive. Because again, the strength of our business is our people. You would, again, we don't market. It is those face-to-face -face interactions, that voice-to-voice -voice communication over the phone. That is TCM. You know, we, we, we don't do any government business, nothing in the state sector. So we are mission-driven. Most of our clientele is multinational, local conglomerate, uh, highly demanding. And if we cannot impact their bottom line through either saving them money or making them money, we understand that we have no value. And it's our people that deliver that in the field, on the ground, on the phones, in, 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 in their daily pursuits. That requires extreme attention to detail, going the extra mile, and making sure the tra training and elevation of your people is always paramount in your organization. So that not going to government organizations, is that by design or is that by choice? It's mainly by choice. You know, um, I think we're not often sought out. Uh, we, we don't. We don't carry any side agendas, so mm -hmm. to speak, um, and so we're not going to swim in those waters very often. Uh, like I say, we're, we are 
And that, that's more of our DNA too, right? Because we worked a lot with the energy sector. We've diversified since, but from our, our embryonic days and even like a decade ago or so, um, you know, project, deadline, mission. And, and so I think what's helped us more than anything, you know, we, we, we operate in GPS, in transport, shuttle work, taxi service, rental, long-term leasing, um, and then 24-hour roadside. Right. So those all, they all help each other. You know, a lot of our competitors, our direct competitors in each of those spheres does not do the other three type of vehicle service businesses that we do. And so, you know, your traditional rental company would be eight to four, eight to five. Um, our DNA is 24 hours. You know, so our people are accessible. There's always somebody that can answer your call, get there for you in an emergency or a crisis. And then because we have that 24-hour DNA, they will have that connective tissue back to that department and even get a vehicle back to an individual, for example, a long-term lease customer, you know, five in the morning, four in the morning if necessary, so that, again, their convenience is never impeded. Robert, I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about your employees and I'm, I'm, I'm cringing a little bit because it's, okay. it's, not, it's not all bad though, right? Because there, there must be some sort of... The, the, good, the good side of, of, of setting the bar so high is that when we do have people who become permanent, and we'll sometimes do that, we'll cut probations is normally six months. We make per, people permanent in three months if they truly shine. If they're TCM material from day one, we can't wait to make them permanent. What is TCM material? What is TCM material? I love to hear this. I, I think... For me, and I, I still get the tingles when I talk about this, the people that really embrace TCM are the ones that get a sense of fulfillment from the client's reaction in the moment. It's that expression, you know, it's like, whoa, I, I didn't know that this type of service existed in Trinidad. Like, this is, this is so crazy. And you get a sense of, of ownership, of pride with that. There is no reason we can't be the best at what we do in the world, in Trinidad. I, I think it's crazy to think anything less. You know, you, you build your systems, you watch your details, you hold people accountable, and you shoot for high targets. And that's critical. The thing that drives Kirk and I the craziest, and I have to be honest about this, is we have customers, clients, business associates who always come back to us and say, how do you guys find such good people? It's so hard to find good people in Trinidad. Um, I don't mince words anymore. Uh, I won't cuss, but I say, <laughs> I say, listen, that's, that's crazy. There are good people everywhere in Trinidad. The biggest problem in Trinidad is businesses take in good people and turn them bad. Distrust, lack of communication, micromanagement, belittlement, and those things drive me crazy. So how do you discipline? Because you're on a tight ship. It sounds like you're on a really right. tight ship. How right. do you discipline employees who... Who are not real, who don't act in accordance with your desired customer service standards? Through the appropriate measures, sit downs, one on one communication, a write up on any kind of non conformance. We've, we've now gone through ISO 9001 quality management systems. Right. So we implement those systems. There are certain metrics we must hit to deliver our quality standard, TCM's quality standard. And if you are out of alignment with those, we will put you back in your place. <laughs> and, and that's, it's understood. Okay. It's, it's, but it's a matter of communicating it the right way, you know, because most of our people in those places have been great. 
they have delivered exceptional service. So if they misstep, you guide them back to center lane. So what incentivizes your people do? Well, we, we are very particular with that because we like to pay market rate for similar type positions, you know, um, field representatives, customer service representatives, call center individuals. Um, but on top of that, we do commission structures. And so there are metrics and quality standards that must be met, and then you will earn additional commission. But by the same token, if you miss on some of your job description items or, or the quality standards that we, we demand, those things will also come back as penalization against your commissions. So there's the reward, but there is also the discipline surrounding it. And it does hit our people in their pocketbooks. I think a great example is in our transport division. Um, BHP Billiton again, way back when, it got very hectic because they were in full exploration mode. And sometimes they were calling, you know, now for now, we need a, we need a shuttle, we need this, we need that. And if our guys were late or missed, we decided, okay, we cannot have this happen because like in any other business, when you miss, it always winds up being the most important person that you screwed up on, right? Yeah. And that has a, a, a huge avalanche effect in terms of reputation and, and business performance and relationship. So we started to commission every single shuttle each individual TCMT member would do for the month. They would earn anywhere from three and a half to seven percent against the invoice rate for the individual shuttle, right? That's not bad. But if they were late or they got a customer service complaint, they would lose the commission on every single shuttle for the entire month. So, so if you're five minutes late for one pickup, because there's traffic, cause you lose all. There's a roadblock. Because being on time for TCM is not being on time, it's being 20 minutes early. So our guys are on spot before they have to do a shuttle for a client 20 minutes before, so that we avoid if there's a traffic delay or something like that. And because of that commission structure, our guys are not late. And they do not get customer service complaints because okay. it's too important to them. Okay. You talk to me about track record though. Tell me about, so you were able to diversify your clientele, your core clientele from the energy sector prior to 2014. Right. And now, and now you have a diverse group of um, clients post-2014, especially in a time where the oil price would have kind of changed and so was it. Did you, did you diversify because of the change or did you put that in place before? What happened? I am a, I'm a huge American football fan, okay? And one of my favorite quotes from one of the, the the old general managers, he has this quote, fear does the work of reason, which I love. So 90% of our revenues as a group were derived from private energy sector contracts. Wow, in 90%. 90% in, in 2014 and, and prior to that for many years. When oil pricing collapsed at the, at, it was August 2014, I should still be able to tell you the day because I remember it very well. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, we realized that we had to diversify very quickly or we would get run over. There was no question about that. Uh, in fact, our largest contract at the time was with British Gas, which was about 250 vehicles uh, on lease. And so it was a very outsized concentration position for revenues for the TCM group. And, you know, by the time we, we, we'd gotten halfway through 2015, it was announced that Shell was taking over BG as a global merger, and the vehicle program was gonna be no more. So 
you know, our strategic intent was we, we need to diversify out of the, the, the private energy sector. And in the leasing and rental segment of our, our business, we were very successful with that. We started to work for RBC. We do their leasing for all their executive But how um, did you clubs. go about building those relationships though? Like, did you, is this te- um, bid and tenders? You know, like, there must have been some sort of aggressive kind of push. Kirk has been invaluable in many of those okay. um, introductions and, and uh, you know, developed relationships. We, uh, there were a couple that we would have done work for over the prior 10 years, and then we maybe came back to them. Whitco was one of those. We do a lot of leasing for Whitco. Um, Digicel was now growing up. We started to do some of their transport, so that morphed into the leasing and rental side of, of their needs. Um, Caribbean Bottlers was obviously Coca-Cola. Uh, Nestle had been a customer of ours since 2000, but instead of just doing 50% of their work, we actually increased it to 100% um, between 2015 and 2018. So you guys are taking share all across the board. We were, and what was great about it is a lot of it because of the austerity, because the recession was so deep, you know, the worst recession we've seen in 30 years in Trinidad, we would see many of these multinationals, these local conglomerates, bring in two subcontractors. So we often met competition in many of these um, new business ventures, new, new contracts that we were entering. They pitted us head to head, and usually within 12 to 18 months, TCM would be awarded the entirety of the business based on service and efficiency. Um, You know, we'd been excellent at roadside assistance for the entire life of the company, but we had always been a very niche provider. We had been involved with the dealerships, Toyota and Massey. So every new vehicle provided by those dealerships has TCM roadside. Uh, For Toyota, it's been since 2000, for Massey since 2009. And that continues now. Those contracts are extended out to 2025 and beyond. But we had never fully embraced the insurance market because we had not internalized our own tow truck fleet. And so that was the next step, the, 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 the evolution of where we had to go. And so we took on Tattle and Sagicor in late 2015, and it was a massive jump. At one time, we were only doing about 400 to 450 roadside callouts per month. We're now doing anywhere from 2,100 to 2,500 a month. You know, And that's from someone with a dead battery to a flat tire to the accident scenario. All different types of call-outs. And all this time, you're, you're, of course, you're scaling up your staff and you're investing in that's equipment. That's it. And, and that's the jump from 75 people to 225. Right. Because transport and roadside are very personnel resource intensive. And, you know, that's been the outsized impact on the need for more people and training and systems and um, logistics. We've, we've, we've grown um, our data systems in accordance with our logistics, and that's critical. That's been absolutely critical. Uh, for years, I was like one of the old old guard, you know, dinosaurs in vehicle services, like many people are in this, in this industry, where, you know, somebody's brother's second cousin would build a little Microsoft Access database for you to try and run your business off of that right. for 15 or 20,000 TT. Um, when our roadside and transport businesses really took off, you know, over 2015, 2016, and we did the, the, the work of earning ISO 9001 quality management certification. And that's not easy to get. It took us two and a half years of intensive vertical and horizontal integration. And, uh, but that was where the light bulb went off. And we realized we need to upgrade our entire data infrastructure. And we contracted a local company, Davin, who's a Microsoft representative. 
in, in the Caribbean region, and they've been exceptional. They put us in contact with Microsoft Canada. Um, and, you know, to tell you how intensive this was, I led a team of about seven individuals at an admin level and a customer service representative level for a roadside build. And we would spend two hours on a Tuesday and a Thursday, so four hours a week, speaking to programmers in Toronto, building our system from the ground up in, in Microsoft Dynamic to, know, to capture what we knew we were going to need to capture, to measure, to manage, to run our logistics, to get every detail. Now our guys, like we get a call and our, our, our service rep opens a ticket, the clock starts, you know, and it's captured in, in our system. And as the dispatch office sends out one of our field reps, obviously they look at the GPS and where the individual is and dispatch the closest representative in the field to go to that emergency. And when our field representative arrives at the client, they have an app on their phone, they punch in on spot, and that now stops the clock on the system through a cloud connect connector tissue so that we can measure was our person there in 30 minutes, in 29 minutes, in 34 minutes? Right. And we then we, we, we take all those back. And when you get the tapestry of, you know, 2,100 roadside events per month, you could start to see where you're having gaps, where you may need to put more resources, how you flow with, okay, we have two trucks, two tow trucks in south, you know, that week, maybe we should up it to three, and we could pull one out of the east or out of central because of the patterns that begin to emerge. So okay. those things are critical. Okay, so I understand the growth through demand and the scaling up your, your systems and everything to be able to satisfy this increased demand and stuff. But in terms of growing your business, because there's only so much you'll be able to generate internally, right? Tell us about your experiences trying to access financing for your business. I, I know there's a story with a, <laughs> with a bird singing, and as I really want to hear. Oh, Trinidad is nothing short of entertaining when it comes to finance and the pursuit of finance, especially <laughs> for new businesses. Um, you know, when Kirk and I first became partners and we undertook that bid to provide BP with those, those vehicle services, the concierge type services and the, the smaller subset of rentals, um, we engaged a partner at the time in, in a finance institution. I won't call any names. <laughs> um, <laughs> But because there was a, a direct finance lease bid position as well in, in BP's core tender situation, that entity pulled back from us at the last minute, literally the ninth hour, like I think it was two weeks to go to the bid. And this is where Kirk was amazing because he would not let us go down. So we engaged another financial institution um, and boy, we, uh, we probably sat in, in the anteroom for the general manager of this bank. The anteroom? Well, his, 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 little, his little waiting oh, room okay. outside of his office. Right. We probably, there was one week where we spent five hours a day, three full days waiting because we weren't going to be denied. And he had this painting on the wall, which was this little red bird in the middle of a jungle scene. And boy, we felt that bird was singing to us by the end of the week. <laughs> well, five hours a day, I can imagine. It was, but, but it was one of those things where we had a passion, you know, Toyota was obviously involved, so we had the backing, even though it didn't look like we were large enough to tackle something like this, potentially on paper, but we had the service model and paradigm that, BG, that BP was really after, and they had this vision for, like, helping sustainable business, and that's one thing I've always loved about the energy sector here, 
most of the partners are like that. You know, Atlantic is exceptional with that. Um, BP remains very strong with that. Even Shell now, with some of the work we do with them, they're always looking to really focus on helping sustainable businesses. And that's, that's a very good thing about yeah. Trinidad because it's, it's, I think it's unique to the Caribbean market. Um, but, uh, you know, accessing financing, uh, you need to know your business. You need to know your numbers, and you better be able to tell your story. No, but I want to hear what. So the bird was singing to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> did the guy ever come out, come out on um, soprano? Or? He did, and and to this day we're grateful because you know we had the vision to to kind of take a good look at what we were proposing, why it had value, and you know he understood. The, I think such an important part for any young business in this country, recognize the strength of the contracts that you're pursuing. You know, the business arrangements that you're pursuing, that's what will sell your financial partners. And, you know, for us, of course, performance risk was our issue. Because if, if the contract performance was not strong, then that was the danger. That's right. But the third-party payment risk, obviously some, somebody like BP, is exceptional. And so, you know, we, we, we were able to show our expertise what we had as a service model, why it would work. And then that contract strength and the cash flows attendant, that's what allowed us to raise finance and continue to do so. And you, you asked us, you know, was it by design? I think very much so, actually, when you think about us always pursuing multinational local conglomerate, because for us, the, the, the contract strength was key in, in powering the finance, you know, yes. in terms of accessing vehicle finance and bringing it in and growing the business. Yes. And so you want to count the party that, that you know will pay your cash on time. That's right. Right. Well, and it, and it works, you know, in that way because the other thing about us, our relationships become so strong and our contract renewal rate is so high. The other factor for our business is that less than 1% is bad debts. Our relationships are so strong on a business-to-business level that payments are seamless, they're on time, and they're renewed. They're continuing. And that's key for sustainability. That's interesting, too. Okay, so... Typically, when banks are looking to finance you, they want to see, okay, what collateral do you have? But you guys had contracts that had those guaranteed cash flows. So what you were able to what, use those contracts as security, right? That's right. Yeah. We assign those payments so that uh, in many cases, most, most of our clients make their checks or their wire transfers straight to the banks that were financing the vehicles that we're utilizing to run the contracts inherent. Okay, so part of becoming investable is building a company that is that could last generations, that creates your own wealth engine that generates that income while you sleep. Right. Right. So what's next at TCM? How do you position that company to to outlast this generation as young as you are? I think I think our evolution, especially in this diversification phase since since late twenty fourteen. Um, you know, going through the, the ISO process, growing up, as it were, in terms of data systems, uh, management systems, I think we now see that we can, we can move into more retail markets. You know, one of the things that we want to do with our roadside assistance is sell batteries, but do it in a mobile, mobile way. You know, 30% of our call-outs in roadside assistance are for dead batteries, and 25-30% of those individuals need a new battery. Well, how, how much of a win-win is it if our guys right there could drop a new battery into your car, have a point-of-sale exchange, and we can warranty the position for them just like that? 
it's a value-add service, not only for our insurance clients and, and our dealer clients, um, but it creates synergy for you know, some of the group relationships we have with companies like Massey, right. who obviously sell batteries through ACL. So those elements of, of where we can go, they're very much contingent upon putting systems in place and then having the data infrastructure to run it to reduce risk and be more seamless about it. So it adds to the customer experience and never detracts from it. But it also mitigates risk for the financiers. For the financiers That's right. You know, that, that we're looking to pursue to, to power these things that will no longer have contracts behind them. Now we have to show the model and show why it will work. Um, and I feel we've never been in a better place to do those things. So, you know, we're going to look at the loss of use products. In, 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 the, um, in the rental industry. Right. Uh, a lot of the insurers now are offering loss of use. Ve- you know, your customer's vehicle has to go for repair because of an accident. And they provide that as a service because insurance is so competitive. Well, what better than a company that then can deliver a vehicle? You know, that, that's going all the way back to my enterprise roots, you know, 20 years ago. Um, but that takes understanding. It takes linkage. It takes training. Um, you know, short-term rentals are much more risky. And so you have to be very cognizant of those risks and manage them accordingly. In the 600 vehicles we manage, every single one has our GPS. And we govern driver behavior accordingly. So you're using GPS as, as a source of accessing information as well. Then. Absolutely. You know, I, you know, once we start doing these things, we will tell clients, look, if you go above 100, we will get an alert and you will get a call. You know, and if it's maybe we'll go to a two strikes or out type system, you know, but it's a strike robot. Well, I mean, as a financier, that's what you'd want to hear, right? Right. Because that mitigates the risk in those scenarios. And as long as you're up front with customers, they'll they'll either accept it or they'll go somewhere else, which is fine. But when you communicate it the right way, you know, you shouldn't come to an impasse in those situations. Give me your top three tips for entrepreneurs, business owners, who will need to access financing to to scale their business, to grow their business, based on your experiences? Okay. I think the first and foremost is you have to know your business. You should have experience from, you know, either in the industry or, or, you know, even in working for someone else before opening your own because that knowledge is critical to power your business. Then you're going to have to recognize, you know, there'll be a phase where you can get to a finance manager or a CFO or something like that, <laughs> but you have to know your numbers early. You really do. You have to know. You not, have not to know. And you hire as your CFO. That's right. Because let's face it, all businesses start usually small. Nobody just jumps in and is suddenly, uh, you know, a conglomerate. And so, You've got to understand your numbers because measurement is management. And the only way you're going to know you're off course and need to recenter or what have you is through your metrics. And so you've got to know your numbers, both finance and in logistics, so that you can understand where you have to course correct. Because if you don't, you're probably not going to get a second chance. But what if you're not naturally financially inclined or if you're not necessarily educated in finance or you just numbers scale you, in other words? It's my belief that you're still going to have to push through it. Make your weaknesses your strengths in life when you can. Um, if you do that, you're going to always find that uh, 
you'll wind up loving them in the end, at the end of the day. Uh, but it, it's that's an imperative. Everybody can run a schedule. We all did math as as you know, junior students, school school students, and it's something you need to understand. No matter whether you're a doctor, a dentist, you know, in vehicle services or IT, you you've got to know your numbers. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Robert Visser. Kevin, Thanks a lot, Robert. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Now, every business has the potential to become investable once they follow the right steps. TCM was able to grow its company through understanding the demand for their services and continuing to push the envelope in satisfying their customers. And TCM is only one of the many stories found right here in the Caribbean. Now, once again, I am Kevin Valley. This was Become Investable. In the next Become Investable special, we're going to take a deeper look into Cinema One or IMAX Trinidad and Tobago and its journey to becoming the first company to list on the Junior Stock Exchange in Trinidad and Tobago.